Welcome to the Lucha Lounge Podcast. I am your host, Elijah Kang, a sound designer by day, but by night, I am a pro wrestling connoisseur, the proud owner of two cats, and the host of this, the Lucha Lounge Podcast. This podcast is all about giving uncommon people a platform to share their ideas and stories with all of you. So thanks for listening. Here we go. The guests on the 40th episode of the Lucha Lounge podcast are the owners and operators of Open World Racing, a company that specializes in destination racing adventure travel. We talk all about the growth of the company, competing in triathlons while pregnant, Ironman races, and what's in store for them for 2020. So without any further delay, please welcome my guests, Elise and Andy of Open World Racing. Boom, and we're live with Andy and Elise from Open World Racing back again at the Lucha Lounge podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Elijah, thanks for having us. It was great to come the first time, and it's it's awesome to see you and get to catch up with all the stuff that's been going on in the meantime. Lots of changes since you've been <laughs> here last. It's been, what is it, about, about a year, roughly, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. maybe a little less. You were here in October, I think, mm-hmm. the last yeah. time. Uh, a lot of big changes for, especially for you guys as a couple and especially for Elise. So what's yeah. been, what's been up, man? Well, we got married. We um, did. Thank Congratulations. You. Yeah, we did a little courthouse thing and then followed by a, more of a party wedding with our family and friends. And uh, I am nine and a half months pregnant at this point. <laughs> so don't do the math on the date. Yeah, right, 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 right. It's all good. Uh, it all works out. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're having a baby boy in uh, hopefully about two and a half weeks here. Oh my gosh, you are so close. So close. So close. Very ready. We're so excited. <laughs> but... And uh, I want to talk about this later on, but even through the wedding and the the pregnancy, you guys have been super active with with races and open world racing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so this, I mean, something to remember, this is it's just a lifestyle. So, you know, we do we we really met and bonded through triathlons. Um, I would say sort of one development is we we joined a triathlon team in DC, the YMCA triathlon team called YTRI. And, you know, we've established sort of a, a network and a really a lifestyle um, and we, we get a lot of passion from from racing. And so I'd say not only, you know, have we have we gone through these different life changes, but it's just kind of part of our lives at this mm. point. And so, you know, so we get married and then we go for a hike, you know, in the morning of the wedding because we just have a kind of a, a physical fitness drive that uh, that we're, we're geared towards. We had about 60 of our guests come along on the hike. We got married in the middle of nowhere in West Virginia, and we billed that as the first activity of the day, of like the, the wedding day festivities. And yeah, it was really fun. We had a pretty good open world racing contingency, too. We had a great picture uh-huh. with probably 15, 20 of our friends in open world racing shirts. And nice. it was fun. We had some super fans there. Well, let's back it up a little bit. For new listeners, uh, what is open world racing? Uh, open world racing is actually an evolving idea. Uh, initially, it was trips to focus on destination races, um, adding in adventure activities, adding in you know small cultural immersions, uh, and capped with a service project so we can give back a little bit uh, in each of the destinations. And so, what we've what we've developed though is that we didn't fully understand you know our audience, and so we've seen lots of different types of people take trips with us. One interesting element in Croatia. We had three first-time triathletes just in this last April trip. And to see, you know, 
fr- three first timers get in there and, you know, brave the swim in unfamiliar water <laughs> to, to, you know, bike around in a headwind around the, the shores of Corchula Island and then to, to, to get on the run and to see, you know, their faces as they cross the finish line. And just to, to see kind of the personal transformation that took place as they, you know, went to a strange country, as they, you know, embarked on a, a physical activity that they weren't entirely familiar with was, was just really rewarding. And so I've kind of dubbed that trip, you know, crushing life goals is, is yeah. what, what we titled the blog and what we titled uh, the video we made afterwards. But it's just to see people kind of realize these personal fitness goals through these trips. And I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that, fully realize that the audience was was looking for something like that. And so to help people realize some of these goals that they've had has been has been really rewarding. If you don't have a goal, mm-hmm. it's kind of tough to work towards something. So having mm-hmm. not only like, I'm going to work towards a triathlon or I'm going to work towards certain PRs or mm-hmm. something like that or a mar- marathon or whatever it is, um, having that in mind, you know, really forges the training. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one more step of difficulty having to do it in a new place, you mm-hmm. know, in a different country, because I would imagine that there are challenges with that as well, because you're not really familiar with what it looks mm-hmm. like. Uh, another thing that is coming to mind is like the water, you know, like we're used to drinking water here. Mm-hmm. You go abroad, sometimes you get sick and stuff like that. Are, are there any, in your experience, any mm-hmm. any difficulties that come with doing it in a oh, different definitely. country? Oh, definitely. There are a ton. And really, that's what we're here for, though. So we help to 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 kind of guide that process. Uh, we help to you know make sure you have the equipment you need, make sure you understand the race course, because you'll have a referee telling you directions in Croatian, right? And you oh, probably yeah, don't understand that language. That's another thing, right? Language. And everyone around you. I mean, luckily, a lot of people will speak English. Definitely, some of the younger generations will speak English. You know, I was just we were just in Colombia, and. Um, and it looked like maybe the swim was going to go in a different direction than I thought. Mm-hmm. But as I was, you know, kind of teeing up to get in the water, I just, you know, kind of started talking to the guy next to me. And I was like, hey, you speak English? Which way are we going? Oh, he said, oh yeah, you know, we're going this way. It's fine. And I was like, great. That was what I thought. So, okay. you know, the official directions are probably in the local language, but then you can always find help um, right. in English. But, you know, it's a challenge and it's intimidating. Um, when you go to do a triathlon, you want to make sure your bike fits right. You want to make sure your gear is set up, you know, in a certain way so you can kind of go through and transition from from event to event smoothly, right? Right. And so it adds a layer of difficulty. We come in and try to mitigate that and, you know, help the racers have a good experience and try to, you know, lower the stress level on some of those logistical concerns. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just a blast. Uh, and people... You know, you you're in Colombia. Uh, we just took a trip, you know, at the end of June, and you're you're looking over these mountain vistas, and you're jumping in this reservoir, and you're swimming with a group. You start conversations with people on the run, and you're you're running through these historical towns, you know, that have been there forever, and it's just it's just fantastic. And so, you know, we think it adds. Yes, there's a logistical element of difficulty that open world racing will help you overcome. Mm. Um, but the excitement that it has or the excitement you can see on people's faces as they're doing these races in these incredible locations, that's, you know, the race high is just incredible after that. Right. I I mean, I can only imagine, I mean, I hate all kinds of cardio, so it's (laughs) not going to happen for me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, um, when, when you guys were on here last you guys had done maybe like a handful of open world races. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was relatively a new 
for lack of better words, business. What have you guys learned and what have you guys, uh, how has the the business changed to mm -hmm. fit, you know, your evolving demographic, if mm -hmm. you will? Uh, no, it's a good question. Yeah. You know, like you said, when we, I think when we first visited, we only had one trip under our belt. We had mm. just taken our first group to Croatia uh, in 2018 and we were getting ready for a Poland trip. So I think we've gotten three more trips under our belt now, another round in Croatia, a Poland, and then Colombia, like I mentioned. And I say the biggest difference is what I mentioned earlier with the audience, just seeing, you know, the types of people, because frankly, the first people that traveled with us were my friends, mm. Elise and my friend Mike, and then my friend Tigran and Grant. And so everybody said, oh, Andy's doing this new project and Elise, they're doing this new project. I'm just going to support them and I'm going to come with you. But then the group has expanded as people have talked. A couple folks from our, our YMCA triathlon club joined on. And so as the as the it organically spreads. Um, you know, my sister had one of her colleagues come to Croatia. And so it's just kind of organically spread so far. And everybody brings their own unique perspective. I think some people are looking for a little adventure. I know Colombia is just a really interesting destination. A lot sure. of people just wanted to go to Colombia. And so maybe had thought about it for a while. But look, look, they're doing this race. I know Andy. I know Elise. And I want to go with them to do this. And mm. so we've kind of seen this this group spread. And like I said, everybody has kind of brought their own uh, reason for coming. Uh, some of our fellow triathletes have really wanted to just do, uh, you know, an international race. Um, I can say, you know, my sister and her husband and one of their friends who just came to, uh, to Croatia had fitness goals. My sister wanted her first triathlon, you know, her younger brother's been doing them. Why can't she? <laughs> mm. Um, and then her husband just wanted to keep up with his wife. <laughs> and then, uh, Marianne, one of our, you know, outstanding first time triathletes was actually a college swimmer for Ohio state who wanted to get back into it. You know, she had focused on her career for a while. You know, she had been doing some professional things and she wanted to get back, you know, and, and improve on her swimming and try a new, uh, a new adventure and to, to overcome a goal that she set for herself and she crushed it. Um, and so it, it's really been interesting. Um, I would say, you know, our Columbia group, had a lot of more experienced triathletes. You know, they've been racing some for years, uh, some with Ironman uh, races under their belts, but they wanted to go to Colombia. They wanted to see the coffee farms. They wanted to right. see, uh, you know, Medellin, Medellin, as they call it. If mm -hmm. you want to, if you want to mention yeah, it, you got to do the, you got to do Medellin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I learned that. Um, but you know, they, you know, Medellin had gone through such significant cultural transformation in the last, you know, 15 to 20 years. And they're very much having a renaissance right now. And so to go and do a triathlon, experience that cultural renaissance that is happening in Medellin to see, you know, some of the, uh, it's the beautiful nature around the city. We hit a couple different destinations, um, a couple different cities. It's just fantastic. And so, you know, we also got to do that service project, like I mentioned, uh, we do little salsa dancing. And so it's just been, we try to have these well-rounded trips yeah. where you get to do a little bit of everything, but it's very much, you know, active fitness focused, you know, we're not, we're not at the bar till midnight. People are yeah, tired and because you got to race the next yeah, morning. You can't something. You, yeah, you got you got something. You're exhausted yeah. at the end of the day, but yeah. you feel you feel great, and you come back uh, from these trips energized and and ready to go on another one. Yeah, man, it is. Um, yeah, it is a it is a really interesting concept, and I think you guys are knocking it out of the park for sure. It's always like it's it's one thing to to want to do a triathlon, right? Mm -hmm. So you guys are providing an easy way to do that in 
another incentive form in doing it overseas. So like, it's like, if you thought about doing a triathlon or if you thought about going overseas, you know, like for me, like traveling is always like a big hurdle for me because like, I'm, I'm always into like familiarity. I like staying here, you know, mm -hmm. like going to the same restaurant, eating the same mm -hmm. thing, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm used to familiarity. And I know some people um, can uh, empathize with that. Mm -hmm. But like mm -hmm. if you, you know, you guys are providing a service where it makes it easy for someone to kind of transition. It, it gives them uh, a little more incentive to maybe take that plunge. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing for sure. Um let, let me let me uh, switch this over to Elise real quick uh, because you are nine and change months <laughs> pregnant. Yeah. Um, but you are still, up until very recently, uh, still competing and still training for for triathlons, for open water swims. <laughs> so tell me tell me all about that. Well, you know, I've I've been really lucky. I have to caveat this with uh, with saying that, and also you know, women who talk to their doctor, you know, listen to their body, feel good about exercise. I think it's absolutely like the best thing you can do for your, for your body, for your baby, just for the whole process. And also just feeling like yourself. So, um, yeah, just to back up when I found out I was pregnant, it was about six weeks in and our triathlon season was just starting. And my, one of my first thoughts with the baby <laughs> was like, Oh, can I keep training? Yeah. <laughs> and obviously, you know, I wasn't planning on doing an Ironman, but just to, just to feel like myself. And when you're used to doing something kind of every day, you know, Going from that to just sitting on the couch would have been, it just would have thrown me into a big funk, I think. So right. I asked the OB, you know, the very first appointment we had, and she was like, yeah, as long as you're used to doing it and you feel good and like things are, you know, feeling strong, then go ahead. So that's what I did. And uh, let's see. Yeah. So I, I stopped running at about 27, 28 weeks or so. Um, that was just what felt right for me. You know, I have other friends who stopped much sooner, friends who ran right up until 40 weeks or 40 whatever weeks. So mm -hmm. I think it just depends on the individual biking. You know, I biked to work uh, through about seven, eight months and felt oh, wow. okay with that and got a, got, got a little bit of guilt from from the OB. I remember one, one appointment, she was like, do you wear a helmet? And I'm like, yeah, of course, like piously. And she's like, do you have a helmet for the baby? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, so we, I was a little chastised by that. But, you know, it was, it was as careful as I could be. And then swimming, you know, I, we actually swam this morning, or I swam this morning. So I've been really lucky on that front. And it's just um, pretty much a daily thing at this point, absolutely keeping me sane. So again, you know, I've been lucky, talked to my doctor this morning. You know, I went a little, a little less distance than normal because I just started feeling tired more quickly. So I think you've just got to kind of roll with it and see what feels right. But uh, in terms of competing, I did a sprint triathlon at 23 weeks and felt pretty good. And then I did the swim leg and a relay at about 27 weeks. And that was the last race I did. So when Andy did, Andy did an Ironman, which I'm oh, sure he'll talk about. <laughs> right, we got to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. But I was, I was in full spectator mode for that, which, which felt like an, an endurance event in itself, but uh, I was definitely not racing, but yeah, it's been fun. I, I wrote a blog about uh, pregnancy during exercise recently. That's on the open world racing website. And um, it's been inspirational to watch some of my other friends on our triathlon team or, you know, friends from other walks of life, stay active and sort of maintain that aspect of their identity through pregnancy because there's just so many changes going on in your body and it's kind of nice to have that constant yeah um I, I still i still can't get over the fact that you did it while you were pregnant like did you <laughs> so like logistically did you have to get like a special tri suit you know do they have one with the little bump cut out or like how did that how did that work i wasn't sure either you know it's funny like i had no idea what to expect because you just you see the full gamut you know when you watch your friends or family get pregnant 
And Andy's Iron Man, I was 35 weeks pregnant, just I think, like when we drove up there. Ago, yeah. yeah, that just And I was like, in. when we were thinking about it, I was like, am I going to, because we drove up to Lake Placid, and I was like, am I going to fit behind the steering wheel? Because I was driving up separately. I like, I just had no conception of right. how, how it was going to be. So yeah, I also wondered about that. But I was able to, like, our, the tri-suit's really stretchy, so I wore mm. that underneath the wetsuit. And then the wetsuit I borrowed from a friend, and, uh, you know, it was stretchy enough, but... Toward the end, I was I was actually swimming in Lake Placid, not as part of the Iron Man, but just you know swimming. They have this amazing underwater cable in Mirror Lake up there, which is where the swim course is, uh-huh. just crystal clear, like you can see, you know, fifteen feet down or something. So you follow this cable. You're like pulling on it. You're not pulling on it, but you're oh. swimming right above it, so you oh, can okay. like you stay on course. It helps you, know? you like see, you know, that you're on track. So oh, yeah. I see, I see. So it's like a one point two mile loop. So for the full Iron Man, they do two loops of that for two point four miles, but. I didn't do that, but each day we were up there, I did the 1.2. But the first day, I was like wearing this wetsuit that I hadn't put on in about two months, and I like I kind of thought it was okay when I first got it on. I was like, all right, this is all right. And then about halfway through the 1.2 miles, I just like was just so massively uncomfortable. I just like ripped it off and tied it around my ankle and did like the rest of the you know almost like more than half a mile with it dragging from my ankle. That's more resistance. A lot of resistance, <laughs> yeah. So I learned my lesson from that. And, and we're sitting on the beach kind of waiting. I think Elisa's going for a swim right now. <laughs> she like comes out of the water like with this wetsuit over her shoulder, just like staring daggers. I was not, not, I was not, not a happy, happy camper. Not happy. <laughs> so I learned my lesson and did the next two swims without mm. a wetsuit and uh so it's been, you know, it's been trial and error, but yeah, in terms of like the actual swimsuit, I just got a slightly bigger size and it's been okay. So Man, that's crazy. Uh, Elisa's modest though. I, you know, I've, I've watched her kind of do all of this and, you know, I can only try to empathize, but <laughs> she brings such a discipline and she's generally a, a fairly disciplined person just, you know, and I actually borrow some of that mm. uh, because I am much less so. <laughs> but Elise, I get him out of bed in the morning. <laughs> she, you know, she, tired or not you know, how she's feeling. She's hitting the pool. You know, maybe it's not the longest swim ever, but she's doing it. And she's she's got these habits that she has the discipline to see through. And so I just admire the way she's able to to carry it out. And you, you just you just watch it. And I like I said, I borrow some of that discipline sometime. I would have never been able to train and successfully do the Ironman had she not elbowed me out of bed <laughs> three out of five mornings. Had I not, I wouldn't, there's no way. And she's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe you should just go, even if you're tired right now. Yeah. And I say, oh, you're right, you're right. You and then I'd, I'd stumble it. out of bed. So, mm-hmm. you know, I had to borrow a little bit of that. But then to watch her, you know, keep herself on track has been just, I'm impressed. Uh-oh. Yeah, I've been, you know, because of the podcast, I've had, you know, the, the the luxury of being able to talk to like a bunch of driven people you know Mm -hmm. like athletes musicians you know people that are you know really getting after it whatever they're doing and one of the things that i've come to realize is that like when you're motivated to do something Mm -hmm. it's easy Mm -hmm. you wake up and you know sometimes you're like yeah i'm gonna hit this workout or i'm gonna go on a run or a swim and you feel it and then, then it's easy to do that but it's those mornings where you're like, uh, <laughs> but then it's cold. Yeah. yeah. But then that's when the discipline kicks in. Yeah. You know, discipline is, is the constant. Mm-hmm. So if you can yep. lock that down. Yeah, man, it is. It, yeah. That's amazing. Like, did you, did you notice, I mean, obviously you're carrying all this extra weight mm-hmm. around your midsection, but like outside of that, like how has your body reacted to, yeah. to the training and, and, and the competing? You know, I I don't know like what it would have been like if I hadn't. I don't have a control of like if I hadn't swum at all. So I don't know. But I've been I mean, I've felt more or less like myself. Like I, you know, I haven't had a, a bunch of swelling or other kind of just aches and pains. And I really attribute a lot of that to the swimming and just kind of shaking out my joints every day. And right. 
But um, as, as we were talking about, you know, before the show, I think walking even just a brief distance up a hill is like a fully different experience and yeah. not one that I enjoy. So swimming is just so it's such a perfect exercise for pregnancy because it's not weight bearing. And I mean, you feel weightless, which is nice, especially at this point in the pregnancy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I would like, you know, being nine months pregnant in D.C. in August is no one's dream, probably. So I wouldn't I wouldn't choose to walk up hills. In fact, Andy makes fun of me, but sometimes I drive like the third of a mile down to our oh, YMCA. Dude, worth it. Worth <laughs> totally it. worth it. Especially with this heat. Like, oh, it's brutal. Yeah, man. It, it's, I mean, they they say that this past July was the hottest really? ever of all time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Good time to be pregnant. Climate change is real. Yes. And just one quick note, additional. It's not like she's getting in there and, and doggy paddling and waiting around. At least when she's in the water, like <laughs> she's swimming. Yeah. And she's swimming fast. And so one of the, you know, one of the early stories in our relationship is I took her open water swimming <laughs> on our third date. And uh, I said, oh, you know, do you think you can swim this far? And she's like, oh, you know, being super modest because she is a fairly modest <laughs> maybe, person. Maybe. She goes, oh, yeah. We'll you know, see. I like to swim. Yeah, I, I think I can do that. Di I think I can do that distance. Like, that's no problem. And I'm like, all right. So I'm, I'm like mentally thinking, yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on her. Hopefully yeah. she's safe. You know, we're out in the middle of the Rest Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. I'm going to keep a close eye on her. I kept a close eye on her for like two minutes and then she's so far ahead of me. She's gone. She could have been drowning and I couldn't have done anything because she's so far ahead of me. And so... That was, you know, back in, I think, like October 2016, yeah. right? And so fast forward to today, you know, Elisa's due. The baby's due on September 5th, and she is still crushing me oh. in the water. <laughs> she is still... Some days uh, more than others. We're I've both been, intensely competitive, so I may go a little faster when I I've know I've been training for this Ironman. I'm swimming several times a week, but she's swimming more, and she's swimming further. <laughs> yeah, and man. we get in the open water, and I cannot keep up for oh. the life of me. That's crazy. Well, I mean, it is it is very inspiring to to other people who are not only pregnant, but like I I always find inspiration in people around me, mm. whatever they're doing. You know what I mean? And it's like wh when I see, you know, people like you guys that are getting after it and stuff like that. It like, you know, I don't I don't do triathlons or Ironmans or swim or anything like that. But like, you know, I, I think about, you know, Elise swimming when she's pregnant like every day or like Andy you know getting out of bed even though he hates it you know and, and training for an Ironman and then like the next morning when I wake up it's like I'm gonna get after it too Aww. like I really mm -hmm. do I really do find inspiration with the people that I talk to and it's I mean it is really a blessing for me um and it does it does help to have people like that in mind. Oh, absolutely. Like, and actually, I think same for us with this triathlon team. Like, it's been such a source of inspiration and just mm -hmm. like having this, you know, pretty large cohort that our season officially is only February to June. Mm -hmm. But we've, you know, become such good friends with a huge portion of the group. Like, we'll still do stuff together and whether it's social or training. Yeah, and man. I think having that inspiration for us. I mean, nobody has like, I, maybe there are some people, but I certainly need outside inspiration mm -hmm. too. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we just, Andy and I certainly keep each other honest on a day-to-day -day basis but then mm. also having this larger community and you know ultimately i think with open world racing that's the example we're trying to set of like this can mm -hmm, just be part mm -hmm. of your lifestyle and you know something you don't dread but like actually come to look forward to is just an integral part of your day and part of your life yeah I mean, we set we set these these you know you are who you surround yourself with a lot of times right you know it's kind of you you know you've had uh you've taken the opportunity of, of having this podcast to have these sorts of mm. people that are tend to be driven, uh, goal-oriented, and have achieved some success and are, you know, are definitely headed in a certain direction. So you've been able to pull some of that positivity you know, from those conversations and observe some of those experiences and apply it to yourself. 
And the same thing, you know, some of the people we've surrounded ourselves yeah. with, like Elise said, we have a, a friend today who's doing a hundred mile mountain trail run, the Leadville, Leadville 100. Leadville 100. Oh, dude, I know about the that. Leadville That's 100. Crazy. And he's, he's running right now. I think he's probably got 40 or 50 miles. He's the probably the got elevation changes. It's just 60 insane. more to go. And the guy is, he's really fast and very athletic and, but just the, the dedication to get that, to get that done. Mm -hmm. And before I ever dreamed of doing an Ironman, well, I saw the, our, our triathlete friends, you know, do like Placid last year, do yeah. the year there before that. Our coach is 70 years old and just killing it has done Placid a number of times as well as other Ironmans. And so people, you know, they've set the bar high and, you know, you're willing to jump up and try to touch that bar. Yeah. You know, you're 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 able to just kind of expand your horizons and do things you didn't necessarily think you could do, but you see other people do it and you're like, sure, I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, in the end, it's it's just all about not having any more excuses. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think so many people are bound by it. Well, you know, I'm not fit, so I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I have this condition and I so I can't do that. And it's like when I listen to so much of these excuses mm -hmm. it's like no wonder why you don't get stuff done mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. because you're you're setting yourself up for not even failure for like not even the opportunity yeah. for failure because mm -hmm. it's okay to fail yeah. oh yeah um one of the uh i'm having a, a woman on next week and she is a she's a crossfit athlete but mm -hmm. she's also like a yoga instructor and oh. an ultra marathoner wow. she's a beast mm -hmm. um she recently broke her foot Oof. And she has this, you know, this huge boot on mm -hmm. in the gym every wow, day doing like you see her on Instagram. So like, awesome. obviously she can't squat and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but like she's doing all upper body stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like recently, <laughs> recently, I also hurt recently. I hurt my uh, lower back oh. and I had to go to PT and it's like, oh, you have an aggravated disc. Oh. So I was like, damn it. Because I love <laughs> squatting. I love deadlifting. Mm. But then I saw her and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do all upper body too. Mm -hmm, so it's like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's where you find it. And it's mm -hmm. just getting rid of excuses. I think is, is really huge, yep. especially for something like you guys are going after, like, like for you, Andy, with something like a Ironman, which is not just a triathlon, but it's like a triathlon on steroids. Mm -hmm. um, there's no room for any doubt or any excuses in that. Oh, the doubt tries to weasel its way <laughs> yeah. in. You just gotta, you just gotta uh, try to reassure yourself that, you're prepared, but there's there's doubts that will creep in if you let them, for mm. sure. What but, was that experience like? Oh, you know, the word experience definitely captures it because it's there's a lot. There's a lot involved. Um, and it is an experience because it's a growth. It's a growth experience. You know, you you there's the preparation phase. Well, there's the mentally getting yourself ready and just signing up for one. And then there's an understanding you need to, to, to prepare to do some type of training plan. And then the race itself, and then kind of post-race. And so... Um, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not used to, or I haven't done in a while, such a structured training environment, but you have to, you really have to prepare and you have to, to have a structured training plan. You, I mean, some people that are highly athletic could just walk into a triathlon, yeah. an Ironman and do it. That's not me. Um, I think, you know, I've got a certain base level of fitness. And so I, I stuck to a training plan. I bought, you know, I use a, a a good app that integrates with, you know, my bike and my watch to measure runs and stuff. And so I had a, a good training plan, um, through this training peaks program, um, purchased, uh, a, a pretty modest training plan from a professional coach that outlined, you know, what I needed to do, how many hours I should be doing this. Like benchmarks, like you need to hit. 
different pool like workouts. They're generally it was really uh, it was it was timed. Uh, it was you know relative to your heart rate, but you should be you know, like it would set out like you should do a two hour run on this day, right? At about a heart rate of this oh, much, see, which I indicates see. you know how much level or how much the level of effort you're putting into, right? right. And so you know you 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 start fairly modestly. Um, I was having some ankle issues from the ghost. I had I kind of slacked on the running a bit just while I was going to PT for some ankle issues. That ended up working working out uh, or getting worked out. So, you know, I stuck to this training plan, which was fairly rigorous, which required me getting out of bed at 4.30, <laughs> you know, some mornings, uh, a lot of mornings. And if I didn't, you know, do it in the morning, then I definitely had to do that workout in, in the afternoon or rather after work. And so some would be two-a-days and then it would be long runs on the weekend, long bikes right. on the weekend. And so you're doing, I think, eight to 10 hours, maybe a little bit more uh, on average, some weeks a little bit more, some weeks a little bit less with kind of an increasing intensity. And so it was a 24 to 26 week plan. So I started off, I think, in the first week of February and just, you know, stuck with it, you know, through, you know, ups and downs at work, through different trips. And I really just tried to patch it together as best as I could, I give myself at about an 80, 85%, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Execution rate or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it's, uh, yeah, I, I adhered to the plan about 80 to 85%. Right. So, so good enough. Um, and then I had a friend of mine who was doing the same plan and we would do rate or we would train together when we could. And then just trying to feel prepared on race stakes. It's pretty intimidating hmm. when you, you know, get your cap on, you're, you know, the Ironman at Lake Placid does a rolling swim start. And so you kind of self-select they'll have. If you think you're going to do the swim in an hour, line up with this group. If an oh. hour and 10 minutes with this group, an hour and 15 with this group. Because right? it's like, it's not just like a hundred people. It's like thousands of people going after this, right? I think over 2000. Yeah. There's a handful of professional triathletes, like super they go awesome in the front. pros. They go and they, the go, they go first. Yeah. They get like five minutes, you know, to just go and <laughs> they're just gone. Yeah. So they're so fast. You never see them again. Um, and then kind of the rest of the group starts and they do it. It's pretty, it's pretty organized, but there's a lot of people, you know, you can't, you can't get around that. Um, in a beautiful lake that you're swimming with. So you know, you want to kind of position yourself with it, with the group that you're going with so you can swim at a similar rate. And, you know, people aren't swimming over top of you. You're not swimming over yeah, top of anyone else. you're not getting else. kicked in the head mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I, well, I self-seated a little bit slower than what I ended up doing. So I was like, yeah, it'll take me about an, an hour and 15 minutes because we do these open water swims. And I, I know about how long it takes me to go mm-hmm. a mile or a half a mile or so. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to maybe want to save a little bit because it's a really long race and I need to save energy. But I get in the water. The adrenaline's going. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I beat my, my goal time by like 10 minutes. Right. Oh, wow. And so I'm going and I was, I was, you happened to swim over some people. Um, and it was pretty intense. Sometimes it's like salmon, you know, swimming upstream. <laughs> Luckily the water is pretty clear and it was a really nice day. So you can kind of work your way and you kind of see where you need to go, but right. you know, visibility in the water is only so much. Right. And so you kind of navigate your way through, um, and then, you know, on the, the, the bike portion, it was just, you're out, Lake Placid is, is just gorgeous. You're up in the Adirondacks. Um, you know, there's a, a pretty nice elevation gain. Uh, there's some pretty nice, uh, drops. I think at one point I got up to about 49 miles an hour Oh my gosh! on a downhill. Oh, it's so much <laughs> on a bicycle. It's so terrifying, crazy. but it's so much fun. Uh, it's like about 112 mile bike course. I wanted to do it in six six hours to six and a half. And I did like six fifteen. So on target for the bike. And then you're just trying to save something for the run. So the whole mm-hmm. time you're doing the swim, you get the swim. And you're like, all right, good to go. You know, 
stay hydrated, do this bike. And you're doing the bike, first lap of the bike, you know, first 50 something miles. You're like, okay, good. And then the second 50, the second lap, you're like, okay, I got this run coming. So <laughs> Better save something. Yeah. Then the sun's coming out. You know, it's kind of oh, warm. right, kind of warming up a little last. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had made some roasted red potatoes and, and I kept them in my shirt pocket. So I'm like eating potatoes the whole time, drinking tons of water. The sun's coming out and you're, just, you're trying not to dread the run, but it's, it's a looming shadow that yeah. you're, you're running right into. And so you finish the bike and you start on the run and I was like, oh, it's downhill. I'm going a little too fast, starting to heat up a little bit. And so I guess, you know, the whole, the whole time it's a process where you are, checking in with your body constantly. Mm. Uh, you have sort of an awareness of your heart rate, awareness of your effort level, because you need to keep it below a certain threshold or you'll burn out, right? And so um, I would say one of my big takeaways was I'm certainly more aware of my body, a certain aware, certainly aware of my own limitations, um, aware of a level of effort I can exude for a certain amount of time uh, in order to, to be able to hold that for a while. And I think, you know, that's one of the things with endurance sports is, you know, you're, you really need to, to develop an understanding of the nutrition intake of your water intake of, you know, I was popping salt tabs because, you know, you'll sweat out a lot of those electrolytes that you need to replace. Um, you know, what do you wear? Do you keep yourself out of the sun? Can you find the shaded spots to go? How hard can you go on the bike? How long can you keep that up for? When can you rest? And so you just, I mean, Ironman training has taught me a lot about, uh, just a, about my, a lot about my own physiology, a lot about, you know, the level of efforts I can put in, how my body will respond to certain things, uh, my output effort and how the inputs will affect my own output. And it's just, it's been fascinating um, just to, to realize, you know, what I can do if I, if I prepare in a certain way and if I can maintain, you know, hydration, nutrition, and all of the inputs uh, in a certain way, then I can perform, you know, at a certain level. Um, and so it's just, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about my body and it was so much fun. What is, what is the, I got like a thousand questions, but like, <laughs> what is uh, the most important thing is what is the recovery like? The Ironman for people that don't know, it's 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then a marathon, mm-hmm, which is 26.22 mm-hmm. miles, right? Yeah. So after any one of those, <laughs> I feel like you would be wrecked. But you just did three back to back to back. You, yeah. I mean, it's a long race. It took me just under 12 hours to do. So like 11.55 or something. Um, And so you're, you're understanding that you're going into this for a a long time. And so I talked about the, uh, the heart rate issue. And so your heart will have like kind of different zones, right? You have like, you know, you're hanging out. It's like 40, 50, 60 beats per minute. Sure. When you start to put in a, a decent effort, it gets up to like, you know, 110. And then there's like another zone. It would be like 110 to like 130 or so. I'm not a doctor. I'm just kind of winging these. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but you're really going to max it like 185. I'm going to max it 185. And yeah. I, I can do an activity and I can hold 185 for a certain amount of time. But that is more of a, a sprint-ish type activity. So I'm shooting for 120 to 130, not a lot higher than 145. Uh, uh, slow and steady kind of. Mm-hmm. Slow and steady. And that affects. And so slow and steady, you, you can do that. For a long time, and especially if you adhere, if you adhere to this training plan where you kind of do this slow build, you know, by the time you're going, by the time you're you're ready to race an Ironman, you can't keep on weight. I think I lost ten to fifteen pounds during this. I, you know, I was cutting my sugar intake, and so you're kind of shedding weight. Your body's building up this endurance. You're training, uh, you know, the food side, the the nutrition side as you're going. So you know, you're eating on these long bike rides like we would do. 
you know, 9,500 mile bike rides. And then we'd run five to 10 miles afterwards. You're kind of practicing these transitions. Yeah. You're knowing like, Hey, if I don't eat something, I'm going to crash at mile, mm-hmm. like whatever. Yeah, um, and you just can't continue. And you just can't continue. And so you, you know, you eat before you're hungry, you drink when you're not even thirsty yet. You, you kind of pay attention to how much you're sweating. And so, like I said, you just really, you, you develop a lot of insight into you, what your own body as a system, how it works. Uh, because it, I mean, it's almost like a math equation at some point. Yeah. I mean, it's energy in versus energy out. And then you just have to maintain it. Yeah. It's just crazy, man. And you'll develop. It becomes intuitive at some at some point. I'm not saying I'm starting to get there where I just kind of know what I need. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these pros are fantastic. I mean, they they know exactly how much they need and they really break it down to a science. But as an amateur, you know, there's some good articles to read and you can learn through through trial and error. But it, it's not impossible. I love that. I love that it's not impossible. The yeah. whole concept of that, like once once you say, "Oh, I can never get there," you're mm-hmm. you're done anyway. Mm-hmm. So like, I like I love I love that whole idea of you can do anything. Mm-hmm. You really really can. And I think like for people that are listening, uh, any anything is possible. It really yeah. is. Just know? respect the challenge. Yeah. Walk into it knowing it's a challenge, yeah. but you can prepare and you can do it. Um. And then when you finish, you're like, all right, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> How about an ultra? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started talking about like signing up for the next race immediately after. What is like, that? Ah. The, the Moab 120. And then there's uh, like black, oh. black, uh, is it like called, no, bad water. There's yeah. another one called bad water. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to talk to our friend, our friend Brian, who, you know, after he finished this, like, oh, he's, running right, he's yeah. running right now. We're going to, we're going to get the download when he's mm-hmm. done and he's just going to. On the nutrition side, on the hydration side, mm-hmm. on the level of effort, you know, how how many you know minutes a mile are you targeting right. um, to be able to maintain that for a while? He's going to have just a ton of knowledge that he's going to gain really through blood and sweat and mm-hmm. tears. Hopefully yeah. not tears, but <laughs> definitely sweat. Well, hopefully not blood too, Yeah, but he's going to gain it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to, I guess, open world racing, you guys have a bunch of trips lined up for 2020. Where yeah. are you guys going? So yeah, it's a ambitious, ambitious program. But at this point, we're looking at six trips. So April will be the third time we go to Croatia. Mm-hmm. There's a, a sprint, super sprint, and Olympic distance triathlon in the island of Korčula. And rumor has it maybe a half distance, uh, which would be a half Ironman too. Yeah, we're waiting cool. on confirmation, okay. but we'll see. And then uh, May, we're going to do. We're planning to do a triathlon in Montenegro for the first time, which is just a beautiful country right next to Croatia, um, kind of un- untapped at least to the extent that Croatia has been discovered. Uh, July, let's see, June, sorry, June, we're looking at a half marathon trip in Iceland. Mm-hmm. It's the the solstice, like midnight uh, marathon, half marathon. So you, you start running at, I don't know, like 9, 10 p.m. And then you run like and finish and there's a big celebration at midnight. And Reykjavik cool. is just so much fun. We went on our honeymoon and did a little scouting trip. And yeah, just really cool place. Such cool people, just great adventure destination. So yeah, and then uh, so we'll finish. I think June's going to be a busy month, so we'll finish with uh, Iceland, and then we'll jump right to Colombia round two. So we did our first trip to Colombia this year, and we're really going to to replicate that again. Uh, we've got a great partner um, that we work with, a, a group called Other Way Around Travel, and so we're just going to join forces and head down to Colombia because it's a blast. Mm-hmm. But I'd say one of the highlights, though, is going to come in September. Yeah, so September, we're really excited. We're going to do our first uh, Patagonia trip. It's going to be a half oh, marathon nice. trip. There's also a 10K option. I think there's a full marathon as well. a full marathon well. too, yeah. Um, but I am really excited about this. It's going to be our first all-women's trip, and it's going to be led by one of my best friends from childhood, uh, Aaron. 
And we've been friends since we were 13. And we used to, we would like write each other these really, really long letters. Like even though we lived, you know, in the same town, we were just like <laughs> really angsty teenagers. And we would make these bucket lists of things we wanted to do. And this would just, this would have topped all of our lists, I think, is doing a trip like this together. What about that bike ride that you and Aaron oh, yeah. <laughs> famously did? So I think the summer we were 14, we had, you know, these little Schwinn like mountain bikes and we were like let's let's go on an adventure so um, Aaron <laughs> lived up Sunshine Canyon which is just right outside of Boulder Colorado and we were looking at a map and thinking of where we could go and Estes Park is just about 50 miles when you do the distance and She's it's four, uh, they're 14 we're 14 and we basically just like looked at our maps you know packed ourselves some like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> and, like had Sprite bottles filled with water <laughs> in our backpacks and we just set off one morning and uh, I think my mom my mom trailed us to like just make sure we were okay, but you know most most of it was fairly independent. We got up there wow. and uh, we were just so proud of ourselves for making it, and it was just such a sense of accomplishment. And kind of you know just yeah, we we actually tried to replicate the ride a couple of years ago. It was like the twentieth anniversary of of doing this ride, and uh, we had some some bike issues, so I had to turn around a little early. But we promised ourselves we'd try to do it every every ten year anniversary. That's awesome. So yeah, so Aaron's gonna Aaron's just incredible. She's just such an adventurer and such a wonderful person. So she's going to lead this trip and mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to try to go. I'm planning on going. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be my first big trip post baby. So um, the little guy will be about a year by then. So he'll stay with daddy. Uh huh. And uh -huh. Uh, yeah, we're really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll uh, be down near Torres del Pine National Park yeah. and there's just a lot of activities and you know, as with all open world racing trips, there'll be a service, like an environmental service component. There'll be lots of good food and wine. There will be, you know, meaningful interactions with the local community, uh, adventure activities. We're lots just of hiking, some kayaking. Yeah. They're going to, they're definitely going to get their hands dirty. Yeah. What is, what is the intention behind having an all women's trip? I mean, we, we don't stay, you know, up to date on all the latest travel industry trends, but yeah. it does seem like it's a, it's a burgeoning industry of these all women's trips. And there's a lot of companies that do only all women's trips. Mm -hmm. So I think more than anything, we thought it would just be a, a fun experiment and see how it goes and see how people mm -hmm. like it. And we'll kind of reevaluate from there. You know, on the flip side, I have some friends who prefer to travel in co-ed groups. So I think it just totally depends on the person, but mm -hmm. we're just trying to offer something for everyone and see what fits best. Yeah. Being inclusive to everybody is mm -hmm. super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the company has been growing mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. more trips and more more destinations equals more responsibilities. So how are you guys dealing with with all of that? Well, more responsibility and there there remain the same amount of hours in a day, days <laughs> in a week. So there's only so much you can do. And so yeah, you know, we've expanded a little bit. Um I brought on a partner. We brought on a partner, Katie Boyd. She's actually operating out of Australia. Katie is a dear friend. Uh, we've been friend for friends for years, and she's um, she's uh, she's married to well, actually a, a good buddy of mine, David, who I've known David a little bit longer. But then you know he married Katie, um, and then and she's I consider her a jack of all trades. She is you know kind of business minded. She's very much uh, um, uh, has a healthy has a mindfulness lifestyle. Uh, she just earned her certificate to be a yoga practitioner. Oh, nice. Um, instructor, I believe. And so she has sort of a business development mind. So we brought her on to help with uh, marketing strategy and digital strategy. Because half the time, if you have an interesting concept, but you don't reach your audience, then it doesn't you're just, matter. You're just kind of speaking into the wind. And so, you know, one one challenge we've had is reaching our audience. So, you know, thank you for your help with that. But uh, Katie's going to help us keep our marketing efforts, you know, very directed and very intentional. And then we have a great person helping us with sales as well, uh, Jill Dietrich. And she 
is a, a friend of my buddy Mike's. Um, he recommended her. She is, you know, rolling up her sleeves and helping us, you know, reach out to specific audiences as well. And so with Jill and with Katie, we've been able to multiply our efforts. And so I'm organizing these trips and kind of working out the logistics. And I've got two, you know, great minds uh, helping with uh, the outreach and sales. And so that's been super helpful so far, but more to come on that as well as, as we hopefully continue to grow. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, it is, it is awesome when people come back to the podcast so we mm -hmm. can, we can see how things have developed and obviously you guys are going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Things are getting bigger and better. I mean, last year was street trips. Now it's six, mm -hmm. probably more trips in the, mm -hmm. in the next year. So it's, it's always, I mean, that in and of itself to see open world racing develop and grow as a company, um, and as a, its own little community. Mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome too. And I, you can find inspiration and motivation in that as well. Oh, I just wanted to pick up on one word you said community. I think that's something that is a driving force, but behind mm -hmm. what we're doing. And, you know, we've evolved a bit, I would say, I, I talked about our audience, how our audience has evolved, but our, the sense of community was really one of the initial driving ideas. Um, just, understanding that the camaraderie that comes with doing sporting events together uh, is a, a way of building bridges between cultures. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as we've, as we've grown, you know, our community has expanded, you know, kind of step-by-step step. we've met interesting groups, we've met interesting triathletes and we've been able to share ideas and just get to know each other. And we've built a little community that continues to grow and we want to grow it more because, you know, there's way more, that uh, we have in common than than what divides us, and that whole sense of community is is, you know, was an initial and remains a, a driving force into into you know behind what we're doing. Yeah, man, especially in in such a divisive mm -hmm. time right now, mm -hmm. I think it is really important to show people that you know at the at the very cusp of it, mm -hmm. just people, man. Exactly, yeah. so much in common. Yeah, so much in common. There's more in common than than different for mm -hmm, sure. Mm -hmm. I mean. You guys are seeing that as you guys are going overseas and, mm -hmm. and, and doing what you're doing. Um, what would you say to someone who is maybe a little bit hesitant about doing a trip with you guys? You know, because it is a very daunting thing. Not mm -hmm. only do you have to be in a certain physical shape and, and all of that, but mm -hmm. it is daunting, you know, going to a whole new place. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, uh, like I said before, like for me, Taking a trip is like a big deal. That's why, you know, I rely on my wife to make all these plans and stuff like that. So what are some things that you could talk to that potential mm. audience? Like, how would you frame that? No, that's a good question and a valid one. I mean, I have plenty of friends who just aren't big travelers and they they like to have the predictability of, you know, going to the, yeah, the same restaurant, having yeah. their stuff nearby. Like, what if there's an emergency? But I think just having, you know, even just a kernel of a sense of adventure is enough. And in mm -hmm. terms of the physical fitness of doing, you know, the whether it's a triathlon or a half marathon, I mean, yeah, that is that is part of it. But you don't have to win the triathlon and the half yeah. marathon. Like you just have to participate. You know, we've had people with, you know, a, a wide range of fitness levels, and all of them have just had a fantastic time. And you know, it's just part of the experience. And I would I would say to them that on these trips, you will discover a side of yourself that you did not think existed. Um, whether it's a sense of adventure, even just arriving in a new airport in a new city that I haven't been to the, the, you know, the possibilities are limitless. Mm. Um, and so the sense of adventure you'll feel the side of yourself, I think that you would discover, um, when you, you know, are kind of gritting down and, and biking up a hill or you are looking out 
you know, uh, over the water that you're about to jump into or getting ready for a half marathon or a marathon in a different country, you, you really, you look in and you you find strength and I think you will kind of knuckle down and get through it. And so it's nice to have that, that challenge. And then I would say it's, it's a structured challenge. You know, if you, if you trip, you know, we'll help you get back up. If, mm-hmm. if something happens, we'll help you get through it. And so you're not, you know, we're that safety net, I would say. Um, but I would say to that person, you can do it. And we're a small company. So give me a call. You know, I will talk you through it. <laughs> and I would say also like on the logistics side, like that's kind of what we're there for is like, we do the logistics so you can just relax, show up for the race and have fun. So it's not like, you know, when you're planning your own trip, you have to figure out, you know, like, well, what taxi do I take? And like, what's the address? Like, we've got all that. Mm-hmm. You can all, just the, all the minutia of traveling yeah. is taken care of. Exactly. We got all the stuff. Yeah. In hand. <laughs> He's got all the we stuff. got all the stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, just from me, uh, you guys are some of the most inspiring people that I've ever had the pleasure of having on this podcast. I love hearing your stories. I love the company. Maybe I will be on a trip one day. Who knows? <laughs> oh, yeah. um, you can do it, Elijah. You can do it. I think no I can do it. I think I can do it. I know. I sh- <laughs> All these words being thrown back into my face. Um, but yeah, man, I, I fully support what you guys are doing. I love the idea of a fitness community that goes out and does a service thing, does a physical thing. I love the whole idea that you guys are, are presenting. And I... I really, I really believe in it and, um, looking at you guys, how much you've guys grown as a company and grown, uh, you know, as a family now, as a family. um, it really is a beautiful thing. So just from me, thank you so much for being on the podcast, open world racing, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Elijah. Thanks for having us. And there you have it. The 40th episode of the Lucha Lounge podcast is in the books. I had such a great time talking with Elise and Andy and can't wait to hear their stories from their upcoming adventures all around the world. If you'd like to participate or would just like more information, please check out their website, openworldracing.com. There's only one more episode of the podcast left this season, so stay tuned. Well, that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye.